Welcome to another episode of Lifelong Learner. This is the Out of Class Edition with Ben, Janesh, and Matt. Hope you enjoy. Welcome back, everyone, to another episode of A Lifelong Learner. Welcome, Ben. Welcome, Matt. We're in the same room. Yes, nice. Yeah, I'm feeling a bit left out. I'm feeling a bit like I'm missing out a little bit. Oh, mate, this is how I felt when you two were on the couch. Yeah, that's true. Right? That's true. That is true. We did do that. It's good to see you guys. Uh, good to see Maddie in the summit shirt. And um, mate, you're you're doing some coaching at the moment. A bit of training with the, the team, bringing them up to speed. Yes, we are staff training. So mm. intense. Four weeks, get them ready for term one. Mm. So some some highs, some lows, some confusing moments, <laughs> some lots of honest conversations. Wow, yeah, it's it's interesting when you're slightly removed versus in it. Um, yeah, it's um, it's exciting, tiring. Yeah. It's a little bit more tiring as well when I'm in, he's, and it, he's getting older. That's what that, I had that thought. I had that limiting belief. Is it because I'm getting older? It's because I'm in a different role. That's what I'm realizing. When you're in and you have no choice, you just do. But when you're in an observational, you know, meant to be guiding to other people to do, it's a little bit more taxing. You know why I think that is, I, I reckon, because um, I'll, I'll see this in co- you guys have experienced this in coaching, is that you're holding the state. Mm. You're the one. That's 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 holding the state in the conversation, or you're you're setting the state for how how we need to turn up, how how we need to be, mm-hmm. not what we need to do, but how we need to be. Mm-hmm. Um, your that's your responsibility, whether it's the one on one or whether you're leading a group. Versus when you're a participant, when you're in it, someone else is holding the state, mm-hmm. you know, or the, there's a group dynamic that's holding the state. Um, and that's that, that takes a lot of energy, particularly if you've got to do state change. Mm. You know, like if there's, if there's different phases throughout your day where you, Rhino and I were just chatting about that, when you all this, you're this and then you've actually got to do this role, then you've got to go back to that role, then you've got to go to this other role, and each requires a different state. There's a real energy to shift states. Mm. I think that can be, can be really powerful and fun and exciting and rewarding, but it, it can be taxing too. Yeah, that I think that articulates it. Definitely a different kind of taxing too. I think, yeah, emotionally more drained. And I found uh, at the end of this program less fulfilled. And I think I was trying to come to terms with that. Um, and I think it was because, yeah, I'm one state, well, one position removed. So there's two people and my job is to guide and get, get them to be activating the conversations, them. And so I actually don't get the recharge from the the client because I'm supporting the boys whose job it is to make those connections. And I Mm. I had to at times remind myself, Oh, if I do this, they're connected to me and that's not supportive because my role is actually to be connected to the two boys and they're connected to the team. So I would have to think, Oh, my instinct here, my intuition is this needs to be done. And then I'd have to, ask a question mm. and get the boys to do it. And then there wouldn't be a, like a recharge almost because I'm not the one having that end result. Yeah. Or that mm. connection, that moment of connection. And, um, you know, when someone knows you connect with them, they see, and they, that moment of, Oh, you see me, mm-hmm. Tim and Liam will be having that moment of you see me. And I'd be there going, okay, they've been seen, but I'm not being seen, you know, because it's not mm-hmm. about me. 
and mm. so yeah it was it was really cool it really stretched me at times and yeah just a different same thing different role and remembering my role has been not natural it's I have to think oh this isn't about you connecting this is about you observing or giving feedback or yeah it was just it's a different experience same thing just different just different and mm. so yeah. and and people do that in that leadership role that you got that leadership of leading them to learn what they need to learn and develop the character and to try on the state that they need to try on um you're constantly having to to demonstrate that you know i i a, um, a mate of mine said that CEOs of organisations aren't really CEOs. They're CROs, Chief Reminder Officers. Okay. Uh, and the goal is to keep reminding people on how to turn up, keep reminding people on what they need to do, keep reminding people around the vision, the mission. Where are we heading this? Where are we sailing this ship? They're Chief Reminder Officers uh, and that their role throughout the week is just to keep reminding people, mm. keep reminding people. Um, and that can be, again, super fulfilling, but, it, you know, it, it is a, it's a real, it's a real job that you have to kind of put your hand up and, and take on as you do, Janesh, and you do in your mm. role, Matty. Mm. I, think, I think it's finding uh, different ways to remind them because mm. sometimes you get, and uh, I think like somewhat game theorying it and making it fun. Because it can potentially get taxing, right? For people to go, I've told them like twenty. I've already told them twenty times, right? I hear that a lot, and you're like, okay, great. Um, did you tell them twenty times the same way? Mm. And they're like, yeah. I'm like, okay, let's mm. try twenty different ways and see which one works, and make it like flip the script as a bit as opposed to being frustrating. Make it a game, and go, mm. all right, how do I crack the code on this on this <laughs> reminder? Uh, Easier said than done. People, a lot of people go, oh, they should know. They should know. And I think that that's what's exhausting is because when you're the one solving the problem, you just have a natural way of doing it and you either get it or you fail. And if you fail, then you integrate. But when you're in that leadership role, you need to have the awareness we've asked one way. I need to do it another way, another way. Or you're holding space and go, this isn't how I would do it. And this is in my, if, the, if I was doing it this way, I would call this a failure, but I've got to let them fail so they can experience it. And then they'll remember either to do it that way or not do it that way. And sometimes that, that causes me emotional turmoil because I'm like, oh, I don't want them to fail there. I want, this is a moment of connection. If we just say this word and do it like this, this is a win. But I had to remove myself and go, even if it's a fail, it's a win because they'll never do it again. Mm. But that's it takes a lot of um, emotional energy because mm. you're like, I have my own level standard, my own perfectionism. I want things to go a certain way and I can see it not going that way. Mm. And then I've got to mm. let go mm. and then come back and make that teachable. So, yeah, it's... How are you finding... Um, how do you find um, teenagers? Oh, they're not teenagers. They're, t they're whatever that age range is, you know, 18 to 25. At 18 to 25 age range, which is, you know, a huge bulk of what the summit employs. How do you, how do you find... It's a loaded question, yeah. How do you find... It's not loaded. How do you find 
the um, oh, how do you find how do you find them? <laughs> he was trying to like see if he was going to put his own opinion in the question there. Yes, and you were really yeah. trying to keep your opinion how do, out how of that question. To, how do to, we to train to coach? Um, how do you find they turn up? Um, how do you actually find them? Or like some well, of them are listening. Yeah, so and you know, like you know, sometimes there's there's this you know it's a culture of oh, I'm making this up, right? But you're here. That this that age range, it's a culture of you know I've done my time in high school. Now it's time for me to be CEO, mm. uh, and you got to pay me heaps and not give me much to do. And I only mm. want to work thirty hours a week. What is with that too? By the way, with the younger generation, they're all part timers for some reason. Um, it seems because uh, the other part time they're influencing. They're influencing the other the other part time they're influencing and on the gram. Yeah, on the gram. Um, what about you know like and and they apply for a job and then don't turn up even for the interview or even if they get the job they don't show up or they show up and they show up for a few days and go oh no look I think this is not for me anymore what what's with that are you, I mean are you noticing that and wh- what do you think's driving that? <laughs> Good. Well, right, it's like you're in our heads, mate. I like you're in our heads. Meat of it. I've definitely seen a switch. Um, over the years, and I've had to. Oh, it cost me a lot of angst, um, a lot of angst, a lot of like frustration, and but I've shifted, shifted expectations, not lowered standards, but shifted expectations. Um, where and I'm aware things are of a different, um, different era. Right, and work ethic is a little bit different here and there. There's um, priorities uh, are definitely significantly different. Um, so I've shifted expectations without dropping the standards. Priorities. If the priorities are different, what's the difference? What are the new priorities for the current, you know, group of people that are now entering into that workforce, that 18 to 25 year olds? What do you think, Matt? I think um, I, I feel like there's a little bit more anxiety around what they should be doing, which is almost paralysis because they're doing something, thinking about what they should be doing, um, worrying about what they should be doing. Are they going to have an impact? Are they going to have a career? And sometimes it's like, you know, you're, you're 19. That comes, but right now this is your first job. This is where we learn some basic skills around organisation, punctuality, professionalism, how to communicate. I find that I think the problems are the same, but there's a a different mentality around that period. Like I remember we were saying that often, you know, 10 years ago the summit would get a lot of people coming out of uni to the summit. So they've gone from school into university and studied and gone, learnt how to be an adult, really. Mm. Um, Learnt how to study, learnt that not everyone's going to hold your hand, that you, you you know, you're just a university, you're a university student now, you're not a a school student. You don't get told what to think, you get told when something's due and you do you, come to lectures or don't. So it's very different when you have that person coming to the summit, already know roughly who I am, at least kind of where I want to spend some of my 
um, some life, adult life uh, experiences, experience. right? They've maybe gone overseas already once or twice, uh, or they've been full time working for like yep, for somewhere working workers, uh, and then turned up, and then it's yeah, it's different. We were talking about the other day that now it's a younger. It's pre that experience, whatever that be, uni, work, travel, whatever, and then they're coming here. And it's interesting because it's not like we're the rude shock awakening, right, of like, oh, you're not going to spoon feed me? Um, and we're a very, very, very supportive environment. And you're like, guys, you know what? what's it going to be like outside of here? Mm. Um, but I think... This year's staff training is actually interesting because we have a lot, lot of returners on our team, and uh, we've actually been able to take. Oh, it's a great opportunity to be able to take the, um, I'm going to call them the kitty gloves, off, and mm. really go. Hey, if you want to be world class, we're ready, um, and and you're ready. Uh, but if there's a bunch of new people, we wouldn't be ready for this. And this is the expectation that we're not holding back. Um, and if they were brand new staff, even the level of honor conversations we we're having yesterday, people wouldn't turn up today. Like we would call people out on their behavior on a little little comment here and there. And I'm like, hey, what was that comment? You mm. just, let's talk to the group. Because obviously you don't like doing that part of your job and you've negative connotated that and you whisper to someone, let's really bring this up. 25 people in the room. Let's talk about it right now. And they're like, no, no, it's okay. I go, no, 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 it's real. So let's go. Why do you feel that way? And they're like, no, nah, my my opinion's changed on it. And it was great. And I go, honestly, I go, honestly, I don't believe you. Great. I go, we don't need to talk anymore. I, I go, I don't believe you. I go, I don't. I go, you think you? I think you're full of shit. And your opinion is still that. And you're a bit awkward right now. But that's okay. But I don't believe you. That's that's the refreshing part. I guess the silver lining with the team that's been here for a bit. So they, the, there's an acceptance that this is our culture, rise. And I think these new kids, when they come in, we're trying to teach them how to be an adult. Um, we're trying to um, find what they're really good at because, they, of course, this generation has really – they have skills, but you've got to find them. They're not what we're normally looking for. And, and some of the um, – the biggest challenges are so prevalent. They get in the way of so much of the growth. Like one of the obvious ones is fear of failure. Like these young people don't, don't know how to take criticism and turn that from, it's perceived as a negative. There's something wrong with you. And it's like, it's nothing wrong with you. There's something wrong with your behavior. You're fine, but it's the behavior. And we've got this culture that no one gets criticized. You can't criticize anyone. You can't give anyone critical feedback um, that we, you know, and this is talked about so much, you know, that we have the lawnmower parent, the helicopter parent, that the schools have got to, everyone's got to be a winner. No one can be the loser. Um, the schools protect them all the way through and they get out at 18, not just in the schools, but but parenting too, as I think she did, uh, and all the parents aren't at home to parent. Why and do you, you think that shift has happened? Out and they've got hairy balls. But they're, they're still a child. Yeah. You know, they look like an adult, but they're still completely a child. They're doing what feels good and is good for them or what feels good but isn't good for them. And they haven't learned to do the things that sometimes don't feel good but are going to be good for them in the long term. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. And that 
you know, we have parents that have put up fences to stop the child from falling rather than transition into taking the fence down and being the soft place when they fall. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, I know you guys do that really well when you talk about, you know, championing um, and and people having to, um, I can't remember the word, what you said was, Maddie, but take responsibility and step up that um, and take ownership over it is that you're willing to let people kind of to make the mistakes and know that at the summit when they do, it's a safe place. Mm. But parents aren't creating that. Schools aren't creating that. Is it, would that be a fair comment, do you think, if you're finding? I, I think there's a pattern around that. There's a fear to fail because they're used to always succeeding. Mm-hmm. But um, there's this is like notion of participation award. Yeah. Right? Like everyone gets this participation award and you're like, great. It might make you feel good and fuzzy, but fuck, life doesn't work that way. Mm. You're going to go to like a job interview and if you're not the best candidate... Um, you're not going to get the job. Or maybe you are the best candidate, but second and third candidate has done all the rapport building, the smoothing, and someone's given a call and you're still not going to get the job. And they're like, why didn't I get the job? Why did I? Well, I don't understand. Like I've been told for 12 years of schooling, 13 years of schooling that oh, I'm doing great. This is good. Congratulations. Where's my congratulations award? And it's like life doesn't work that way. And then I think the... Probably post-COVID, um, where this this great resignation go happening and or happened, I should say, and where people go, oh no, I'm done then. They don't stick it out. They go, all right, I'm done because they know the hiring market's really hard hard right now. And they go, oh, I'm just going to go name my price. You're like, you have no experience, and you want twenty grand more than what we're paying, what what everyone else is getting paid. Yep. I'm like, no, sorry. Okay, great. And they'll go and they know they're going to get their participation award somewhere else mm. because the market at the moment is facing that. Why do you – so I've got a question for you, Ben, because you've got uh, older Why kids. Why questions today? Huh? <laughs> I'll be asking them. <laughs> no, 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 no. So you've got, you've got um, older children and you've um, – what's your age range of your teams, of your – Oh, my kids, so Bella's... No, no, your, your, your teams as well, sorry. Oh, my car... My, yeah, the my clinics. Yeah. Uh, um, so uh, I've got an older car, so 40, and then uh, 20, 25. So my professional team's 40, 25, 30, 30. Um, and then my admin teams are... 25 to 20. Okay. So, wh- first question is why do you think schools, uh, parents, uh, and uh, just general society has shifted that way? And like over recent times, like meaning in under 10 years, it's definitely moved that way. Why? Why do you, why? Well, I think <clears throat> the better question is why is it happening in Australia? Why is it happening in Western culture, maybe the US, maybe Australia, maybe mm, UK? Because mm. I don't know whether it's global. I don't know whether this is a global thing. I don't know whether this would apply in China. Um, and I don't, know, don't think it applies in India and the other superpower countries that are that are coming up. Uh, and when we, when we have those kind of superpower conversations, you know, like, there's a, there's a kind of general feeling out there that America is no longer 
in the next 10 years going to be the superpower. Mm. Um, because these other countries are, are still are still got a culture of, you know, toughen the F up, uh, do the work, you know, start at the bottom, you know, earn your stripes. Um, so I think in, if you ask me in Australia, why do I think mm. that's happening? I think that's happening because we have a left-wing culture that's developed in in our in our country. It's like, it, like you say, everyone's got to be a winner. Everyone's inclusive. Everyone's equal. Um, and no one can feel bad. Mm. Don't let anyone feel bad. And so we're constantly protecting people from feeling bad. Mm. Um, you know, you can't you can't say anything these days without someone potentially, you know, sexual harassment or verbal assault or, you know, who even knows what all the terms are for all these different things. But um, I think, yeah, I think I think that's partly what's happening. And I think, secondly, I think parents aren't around to raise their kids. You know, I remember that the guy that used to own the summit back when it was Del Hunty, Alman, remember he's saying to me years ago, when it comes to a child, and this is biblical, of course, as well, you know, give me a child for the first seven years and I'll give you the man. But they, or woman, uh, so, um, uh, but Elwin said a, a, a child needs the mother for the first seven years, doesn't really need the father. For the second seven, from from seven to 14, it needs the father, but not so much the mother. And then from the next seven, from 14 to 21, it needs the mother and father. And I think, to be honest, I think that's missing in so many families right now where there's either not the father or there's not the uncle or the grandfather to, to step in at that seven to 14 years age range when the child moves from kind of building up a map of what how the game of life is played to trying it on, to testing the boundaries. Um, there is no father, there is no lion there to roar, to bring the discipline, um, to push, to encourage, to ask the child to stretch um, in that seven to fourteen year age range, I think that's missing, and so we've got these kids that are at that fourteen year age range transitioning from child into adult, physically, chemically, emotionally making that transition, but their body's shifting, but the rest of them isn't. They're staying a child, and I think that's missing. Are you finding it as you're um, you've got a team that's like older, right? And then say one. Other departments here we have uh, are older. Do you find uh, – what's the question? Oh, yeah. Do you find that that uh, participation culture has spread to uh, uh, the older generations too? Because um. when you brought up that, hey, we're left-wing culture – you can't say anything out of criticism and it gets taken the wrong way. I've definitely seen certain people outside that age bracket, older than older than the 25. I'm like, really? Mm. And, I'm, and I'm like, and I'm like, no, that you just don't like you don't like the feedback. Right? You don't like the hey uh, or the or feedback or the account, accountability. Right? But so it makes me go, is it, is it age? It's more prevalent in that age, yes. But is it, 
just a way of current times that's coming into culture at the moment across the board. What are you seeing with your team? Look, I can't say I've really got a team. I've really got a sample size to kind of mm. to make to justify a comment. Um. Yeah, I, yeah. I, I can't say I'm necessarily noticing it. What I think what does come up for me, and I know that you guys do this well, but given that you have bigger teams, it maybe gets a little trickier. But when we hire, we hire for culture. We hire for who they be, not their skill. Mm. So we do rerun group interviews. Then we run our one-on-ones. And we're really asking ourselves, does this person fit in? Mm. Well, I don't know whether they've even got the skill. I haven't even checked their resume, to be honest. But, but I like them as a person. And I think they've got the character that we're looking for. Mm. So if they've got the character, they can fit into our organisation. We can train them. We can give them the critical feedback. And so we hire for that. We don't hire for skill. We, mm. we hire for their culture, their character. Mm. And I think, um, yeah, I relate to that. The program team, for sure. On my wall, I always had um, high passionate staff because you, I believe you can teach the other stuff. But if they come to you, you know, with that lack of enthusiasm, passion, hunger, if they don't really want to be there, it's just a job, then go get another job because this is, is more than that. And I was the same. And it's not probably the same with the whole team. Mm. You can't do that for certain departments. You, you do it for uh, all full-timers, though. Mm. I mean, all, all full-timers. Um, maybe not all casuals, but uh, all, all full-timers. For sure, and it's that uh, there's a book, um, Richard something called Attributes, really interesting book, right? And it's uh, attributes is like he breaks down different attributes and he goes notice attributes in in people, mm. right? And you either sometimes you got it, you can slowly develop these attributes, um, but they're very hard to train these attributes, right? Uh, it's like kind of you can't train personality, right? You can't train. Uh, you can't train passion. You can inspire passion, but you can't train it. You can't train excitement. Mm. So, and we have like a, it's called a, a gut check with some of our higher level teams and people sometimes who I coach, I say, look, they go, how do you know? Like this person's going to gonna mm. be good. And I said, would you, would you invite them to your family? Would you have them over for, for Sunday lunch? Mm. And, mm. or the other one is, um, would you have two beers with them or two coffees? One's a pleasantry, right? You'll have a, you have a beer or coffee. In Australia, you'll have a beer or coffee with anyone. But would you have two? Would you stay for the second one? And if you're not, then there's, there's something there. There's probably, oh, you're not really connecting. And there's and something you want to honour there and go, oh, I don't know, maybe. Maybe they're just not long-term. And if you're okay, both parties are okay, it's not long-term, then it's not long-term. And it's, it's like this gut check, and I don't think people – higher that way anymore necessarily um no. and they don't ask these honest questions mm. and these like honest questions of like what we were having yesterday is not uh, it's not common practice to be put on the spot and go hey explain just you have that opinion which is great but let's let's have an open dialogue we're not attacking you but it's taken it potentially as an uh, attack and it's you're not uh yeah that, that doesn't happen Anymore, and what we saw like around, like kind of yesterday, and other bits and pieces where other people defend, go in mediocre, 
and and just go to make it mediocre because, because they want you just, you just cut out then oh oh saying like when you're having this open honest conversation and they've just gone um they say uh other team members other members of society go in and defend and instead of this person's having this awkward conversation we're going to dry, rise this person up right now someone's like oh no it's okay don't worry about it it happens to all of us what this person is doing not in, unintentionally is pulling them back down it's like this this um, tall poppies right yeah. it's like we're just going oh, no 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 it's all right it happens to all of us but but don't not, grow come it's down not tall poppies and cut them down because if they shine that makes me feel insecure so i want to pull them down it's like that i think that was a like our generation that definitely existed i feel like it's well in this example right you've called someone out for something that they think and it's like well if you think that defend it right let's hear you articulate it let's see the thoughts well because we're not that's not the way our culture we want our culture to think so it's okay for you to think that but justify it. if you can justify it then sure but if you can't then let us explain why why we have a cultural idea around you know feedback or why we share the truth mm. um and someone will jump in because they're like oh that that's uncomfortable that conversation i want to make them feel better um and then we're saying stop because what you're actually doing is you're undermining their growth growth isn't meant to be pleasant sometimes it's uncomfortable and often it comes from an uncomfortable conversation if we just tell you how good you are all the time what you're not going to change anything because you don't need to it's the uncomfortable feeling which forces you to look at what you're doing the behavior you're producing do i want to feel this way and if someone's going to come in and make you feel better with words there's no truth here the the truth is that you feel you said something that actually you maybe don't believe because now that we're asking you on the spot to justify it you're feeling very insecure about it and defensive that feeling is going to help guide you to a new truth evolve your thinking possibly but if someone rushes in to make you feel good what we're actually doing instead of rising and growing as a team we're undermining each other and and we're keeping each other small and what what comes up with me with that is 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 a couple of things first of all often in an organization we have rescuers and they're always they're always they have a high need for love and connection and so they're jumping in to kind of rescue people they look for that they look for someone that's kind of drowning and they just can't wait they're not really drowning they're just swimming differently uh, but they go oh no they're drowning i'm going to dive in and just and save them and and so we never get them give them an opportunity to, to kind of get their stroke to get there right. to get into the, in that analogy there it looks like they're drowning because they're transitioning from breaststroke <laughs> yes. into trying this new yes. more efficient more powerful freestyle but it looks mm. ugly at the beginning save yep. you never get yep. to freestyle stuck Correct. with the doggy paddle and a breaststroke because someone yep. rushed in to make him like you gotta let them good. sink a little bit like yeah. don't let them drown i always had our team uh, and people I'm coaching that i won't ever let you drown but i will 100 percent let you sink mm-hmm. but people go in to say as you said this save or this need for safe and they're and they're really good at it right they're really good at it so it's hard to go and sometimes they get it good because it's like oh this person's going to tumble down and all right no it was good timing but it's also like fuck, you're saving this person all the time let them really fail 
Let, mm. let, let them sink a little. Let their head bob underwater once or twice. And then, then if we need to, then let's go in. But don't go, hey, I'm tired. Help. It, They're not really tired yet. It feels mm. like it, this is a negative thing coming out of a positive thing because um, feelings are really important, how we feel. And I think this generation's got a lot of awareness around feelings. Um, and they naturally do seem to um, show compassion where others of us might miss it. But the flip side is that instead of that being a superpower, it can be limiting because we prioritise the feeling um, so much that, yeah, someone will rush in to make you feel good. That makes them feel good, makes this person feel good, but no one grows, which ultimately feels better. If we can grow and evolve, then our feelings change as we change. Um, And so it feels like sometimes that's missing. And what we did yesterday... And we're fortunate. We have four people who are all on the same. We're clear on our intentions. So when we criticize mm-hmm. someone, it's not to belittle you. Why would we do that? It's because we want you to grow. We want to challenge you. And it's, it became clear to me that we have a culture and we have some leaders. Um, you and I believe that to our core so we can sustain an uncomfortable conversation. We know the purpose of this and we know that it works we know on the other side of this uncomfortable situation is growth but there's other people that aren't sure and because they're not sure and they're uncertain better to just rush in and make you feel good Mm. and it's like oh that's it's limiting do you think just in general those uncomfortable conversations in general in people's worlds aren't happening Mm. enough oh what what are you talking about you know you could watch you know, there's heaps of people that wouldn't even want to watch a, a little trailer of some kind of show that maybe might be against their narrative. The person with the most flexibility always wins. And so what you're doing with your team and what I do with my team is I try and increase their flexibility, and that is flexibility of choice. Mm-hmm. And so it's it's giving people the opportunity and asking them to try on a different choice. Mm-hmm. And, and if you try it on and you don't like it, all good, but... But, but don't not look at it. Look, Take a real good look at the choice. Yeah. See whether it could be a truth for you or it could be a fit for you. And if it's not, okay. But at least you know down the track that maybe that's now an option for you down the track mm-hmm. as time shifts and as your life evolves. But we're, we're, when we rescue people, when we kind of dive in, when we, don't, when we don't allow them to try the new stroke or try the new thing on because of a fear that it, you know, it's going to upset them, then we're limiting their their ability to create choice and create flexibility, mm. and um, and I think that's what we've got. We've got a whole generation now that, that just don't have the flexibility. They don't have the range of choices when things don't go perfectly to plan. And if you try and and talk about another choice, another option, another possibility that's outside the narrative, I think in any in any country any culture uh it's it's kiboshed pretty quick mm. yeah it's suppressed pretty quick and we saw that throughout covid you know anyone that spoke out against the current government narrative around what was going on like you were shut down real quick mm. Mm. It, it's interesting because it's it's kind of paradoxical that a lot of the you know it stems from a good thing i think it's really important to consider people's feelings but it's just, it also can become the very opposite 
you know, it, mm. it, it takes away an opportunity to feel by rushing in or, you know, sometimes that tough love that, um, you know, not giving them the answers forces them to grow. It's like the intention, it's almost like there's a confusion around the intention almost. It's, it's, it's so curious that we're, when we're, we're opening you up to millions of possibilities. We're not actually limiting you. We're saying you can be anything. But to be anything, you've got to be able to sustain uncomfortability. Mm. You've got to pers- persevere um, through those feelings of uncomfortable doubt, fear. And it's you. You're doing it. That's super empowering. Um, and you can still be conscious of other people's feelings and communicate in a way that um, is supportive. But I think, yeah, we've, somewhere along the line we've got confused. And so now the thing that could propel us forward is actually limiting us because we're so concerned around people's feelings that we're not prioritizing ourselves. We're not focused on ourselves, our own growth. Like I'll rush in and make you feel better. Yeah, but but doing that, it's counterintuitive. Like you're doing it out of a like love and compassion for that person, but you're actually doing them an injustice. Yeah. You're limiting them, unknowingly limiting them because real love and compassion is would encourage that conversation. You're drowning. And I'm not going to rush in unless you really need me. And this is making me uncomfortable, but I love you enough to believe that you got this. You can do You guys teach that though in with your coaches, you know, and I've done your program a number of times and you, when you're up on the, on the platform and you, you're about to jump out to the trapeze and, you know, uh, if I balk, if I start to go, no, I don't think I can, you don't go, mate, that's like, come down. Yeah. I get you feeling bad. Enough. You know, come on, Ben. Come on, Ben. Yeah, I've got a muffin for like, it's, it's like, no, you've got this and then silence. Mm. You let mm. people, you let people experience the emotion because that, mm. that emotion on the edge of that platform, that's where all the magic is. Mm. If we took away that emotion, if we push them off the platform, if I hold my, if you know, someone held my hand and jumped with me off the platform, it's not the same as me completely embracing the feeling and processing the feelings and, and making the leap. I'm conscious of time. So I want to ask you two questions. Maddie, I want to ask you the question. If you were, um, um, head of uh, Schools Australia, if that existed, mm-hmm. and you could um, put, make some policy change mm-hmm. that would cause a shift in in our culture as kids are coming through uh, as teenagers and graduating from high school, what policies would you put in? And Janesh, if you were head of Parents Australia... Imagine that you had an organisation that helped parents be great parents. You were head of Parents Australia, and you could put some policies in place to help um, parents be better parents to transition their children into adults. Mm. Policies would you put in place? Top three. So Top three. Big question. What do you reckon, Maddie? What What would you put into place in schools? I got one of your school ones. Um, if the world was like it was in 2019, I've always thought that um, mandatory form of travel. So when you finish school, create this culture of, all right, you're on your own, off you go. Go experience the world. One year. One year of off you go. Experience different cultures. You have to do it. Um, I really believe that just the way travel is, and independently as well. Like a mandatory gap year. Yeah, mandatory gap year. Because... 
I know for me, I know for a lot of the, the young people I've seen who've done that, they learn so much of what life is actually about in that year. And they learn from so many different people that they can't blame one person and say, no, 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 this isn't how it is. The truth comes out. Um, if they've got issues they've got to solve, it keeps coming up. They keep meeting different people, but that problem keeps following them. So eventually they have to turn and look at themselves and inevitably they just it ends up producing the work. There's self-reflection. Always come back better. Always. Mm-hmm. Um, so something around that. And I think that's what we're missing in our society. Back in you know hundreds of years, thousands of years, in many cultures, there was always this passage of... Um, you know, the hero's journey or the, the transitioning, that, that ritual of young men, 14, um, would go off and have to live off the land for a month and come back and they'd either live or die, um, you know, in, the, um, in some of those, not Roman, what were they? The Spartans, Spartan mm-hmm. culture. I think we're missing that, that period, that thing that they do by themselves. No one does it for them and they come back empowered. I did this and I learnt this from the world, definitely. Um, that's one. You got a parent one while I think of another. Mm-hmm. I think on that too, Maddie. You know, there's a lot of there's a lot of not cultures, but a lot of um, countries where military service kicks in. Yeah. If you high school and there's military service, and whilst there's some negatives possibly in that, there's some positives. It's like, hey, this is toughen the fuck up. Like, you you know, we have some rules and regulations, and you're going to do stuff that's uncomfortable, and not everyone's a winner. Yeah, and I, I don't. I completely am against so many aspects of that, but not the rituals, not mm. the mm. discipline, the not the make your well. bed and bounce a quarter off it. Not that's mm. good. Like mm. press your clothes, clean your clothes, be organised, brotherhood, teamwork. Mm. Actually, put yourself on the line for someone else. Yeah. Oh, I, I admire that, and I, I see and have met people travelling who've done some of those mandatory, um, you know. Uh, yeah, Extra army, stuff, whatever it's yeah. called. Yeah. yeah, and you do. You see that that's the same process. There's this mm-hmm. this resilience, emotional, mental, uh, and they've learnt from their mistakes. And they've had someone um, who isn't their parent, you know, just be mm-hmm. brutal and be be blatant. I think that's the the key thing that the truth gets disguised. Um, we're so good at lying to ourselves to make ourselves feel better. Um, and people are as well. So the truth gets lost. And without mm. the truth, then how do you really um, make change if, if you don't have that? So I agree. Mm. I think that it doesn't have to be travel. Anything that forces them to have to practice some of these life skills external from their family and their friends, so they're getting information from very many different sources, um, that fundamentally produces really positive change, I think. Mm. Um, so that would be one thing. Uh, Come on, Josh. All right. So have to be politically correct either. This yeah, I know. I know. I say this as if I know. I don't. I know. I don't practice this. These things. Uh, it'd be good now saying it out open that yeah to put into practice. I would say as you said before, Ben, about um, putting fences up everywhere. I would take fences away earlier, uh, and due to that, encourage two-way honest conversations so it is the norm it's the norm on like uh two-way honest conversations from a young age so then when you have it later hopefully that it's not 
uh, not hard. When they leave the home, uh, they have these honest conversations. It's not hard. They know how to receive an honest conversation really well and they know how to give one as well. And I say that in terms of like, you look at businesses, businesses ask for feedback, right, for their clients all the time, right? How often do parents ask, say their client, their child, how, how do you think I'm doing? Write me. We never do. Sometimes we don't want to hear it. We're not ready for it. And we always will give that, that feedback downwards. But we, don't, we never want it back. Mm-hmm. But, and it's an interesting way to go because they end up getting taught to potentially receive it but not to, not to give it. Uh, I would say to encourage that early and have the honest conversation where you go, look, like, and have, I know what your intention is. Your intention is this. But at the moment, you're throwing yourself a pity party and it's not getting you anywhere. And I'm not going to help you. I love you, but I'm not going to help you right now. And then I don't think that happens enough. Um, there'll be the, either the reprimand or the, and it doesn't, they don't go, oh, they don't love me, blah, blah. Or that's like a, or real, oh, I'm going to love you so much by me loving you. I'm going to do it for you or I'm going to let you run amok mm-hmm. and give you this freedom and you are this sport brat, this obnoxious kid, and you're like, oh, you know what? When you grow up and no one's pulled you in line, you're going to get some real, real-time feedback. You're either harder to make friends, to move away, or someone will go, you are really, really obnoxious and rude, and we don't like your company. And, so, and they're like, what do you mean? Right? And they, wouldn't, they haven't heard that, that honesty before and had that feedback so yeah i would say uh encouraging honest two-way conversations early i got one more because when we met up with paul paul is a um you know head of a department teacher in a school um one other one that i think is really important that maybe school isn't doing and and that's the idea that teach a lesson learn the content pass the test that's just not how life works. And that's why I've always liked this environment. It's test first, then the lesson comes when you reflect upon how you went. Um, so I think that needs to be put into the curriculum. That should be a priority. Let's teach for life. Let's not teach to regurgitate information, to not critically think. You know, <laughs> it doesn't make sense in this world now when I can get every single answer to any question in two seconds that the answer isn't, important it's the process of discovery it's being able to experience reflect and then use that information to do better next time and i think we need to start building curriculums that do that that empower people to use how i'm feeling to produce um a better result in their life and and i've got this this culture of there's someone will teach you something you just memorize it and give it back and we've seen some of the challenges with that thinking because people don't think for themselves they just follow and you want people who can follow but because they've thought about it and it makes sense not because mm. someone's told them to do it um so again yeah it's like, like lack of uh, critical thinking yeah it's we need to teach that again yeah. to to think at, yeah it's just it, that's basically it. common sense and critical thinking and create situations where they have to do that um i think is really important and i really believe with with probably the, those things, um, 
yeah, I think you can end up with a lot more resilience, mm. empowerment, um, and and that that concept that I'm forever changing. I can change myself. That's such a powerful place to be in. That I can educate myself. I can learn knowledge. It's not, yeah, it's not. It has to come down from somewhere. Um, yeah, mm. I think. I got a question mm. for you, Ben. What's one thing? Do you think every workplace, community, club, organisation need to have mandatory part of their induction training? You say that word mandatory and I still flinch. <laughs> <laughs> like mm. like a, it is like a non-negotiable that you go, you know what? It doesn't matter what industry. Doesn't matter if you're part, you're a volunteering coach at a community football club. Uh, doesn't matter if you've just joined a little ats club uh, to a business to a Fortune 500. Um, I'm listed and I'm the new CEO, or I'm onboarding as an intern. What do you think is the most important thing that needs to be part of induction? <laughs> Like the quick answer that comes up for me is something that we do doing even during our group interview process. Um, we do it when our one-on-one interviews. And I was talking to someone about this yesterday. We start um, setting the culture in the job ad that we place. Mm. The job ad reflects the culture. Mm. Then when we call you, it reflects the culture. And then when you come for the group interview, the group interview reflects the culture, the expectation. To the point then when you're onboarding, we talk about the culture and the expectations. And something that we do is this idea of constantly, constantly asking, what's your great and improve? So in the group interview, at the end, we'll, we'll go around the room and go, just give me one thing you did great in the interview today and one thing you would improve upon next time. Great and improve, great and improve. So self-reflection yeah. on where have I done well awesome. and where could I improve? Where, where's, where's there been a learning in, in this last hour of group interview? I do that with my, my Cairo team. I do with that my front desk team. Uh, I'll get to the end of the day and I'll go, how was your day? And I'll go, great. How do you know? What? How do you know? I think, that, I think that's where we're crossing over, right? We're all agreeing on self-reflection is something that's missing, that ability to, to truthfully reflect and not belittle yourself, reduce yourself, be mean to yourself, but be honest um, and then you can move forward from because once you're honest, you know where you are, and then you can work out where you want to be, and then you can just set goals to get there. But if you're not being honest, if you're not being truthful, and you're not reflecting, it doesn't work. Mm. It doesn't work. Mm. And that's yeah. that's what we're teaching, right? We're teaching mm. them to reflect, run your day, and write down w- what went really well, what was shocking. There's always going to be something, mm. um, and what we do differently tomorrow. And just change one thing a day, and over a year, you're mm, completely you're a different, different person. Person, yeah. Mm. And, and really, that's then putting it back to kind of an answer to your question. So, what's great and what's improved? I'm not telling you what was great and improved. Mm. You're, you're telling me, and you've got to look for an improve. Mm. You look for where you weren't the superstar, where you weren't omnipotent, like where you did slip up, where there was a boo boo, mm. and and owning that. And communicating uh, like, it. Oh, you know, I, I did this really well. 
But John, he stuffed that up, and because of that, I was no, no, no. Where's your improve? Mm. Where's mine? Yeah. Uh, good question, mate. Yeah. Um, awesome. It makes me think of a quote, and I was do looking. You know, give us, give us your wrap up, looking wrap for up one. quote. Um, and I'm going to tweak it a little bit, but it's the you can't change what happens to you, but you oh you can't control what happens to you, but you can control how you respond. Mm. And I think that that that's where our power is. You know, we've got a lot, possibly a culture coming through of I can't control what happens to me, so let's do whatever makes me feel good um, versus yet yeah, taking ownership and saying, all right, this is happening. Yeah, how can I respond in a way that's going to get me a better result? It's going to make me feel better. There's this action that comes from this uncomfortable feeling as opposed to someone rushing in and going, oh, you're doing a great job, mm. you know? Janesh, mm. mm. your summary, nice one, Matty. Nice. That's good. Um, I would say uh, lead some of those um, lead some of those honest conversations uh, through leading by example and kind of bridging what Ben was saying about self-reflect mm. like when I think we were saying people don't have this human uh, aspect anymore uh, and what I mean human aspect is like a vulnerability, a flaw. They don't talk about their flaws. They don't want to talk about how they improve. So if you start saying, hey, look, yep, I own this. This is how I can improve. It makes an honest conversation coming to you a lot easier. When mm. you go, oh, hey, look, I am this and vice versa. It's easy to deliver one. I think um, that would be my takeaway of trying to encourage that more. And, and by encouraging it, just leading by example. Mm. own it is the key there and that's tied to truth isn't it that's what we're saying that if you don't have the truth you can't make change and you're saying own it whatever it is mm. this is my reality and I accept it yeah and yeah. and then you can make a change Benny mm. what are your last thoughts oh look I think you know when you, when you decide to um, give birth to a child remember that it comes with a great responsibility uh, and that the responsibility as a parent is not to raise your child. It's to raise an adult. Yeah, we're in the business of raising adults as parents, not raising children. And and remember that 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 is the most important thing is how we're raising how we're raising the next generation. Uh, and I would say that for the parents, and I would say that for the the step in parents, which are our teachers out at our schools. Mm. Remember that you're there to raise adults, not to raise children. Um, I think that works for everyone, right? That's You're talking to, mm. to two people who work with young people straight out of school. Our job isn't to, to raise... We're doing the transfer from adult to critical thinker, mm. individual, a, a valued member of society. We all can relate to that. I think that's brilliant. Parent, teacher, um, you know, what do, what do we call you? Person, right. person, man. I, I identify as a person. Yeah, yeah, okay. <laughs> That's another episode. This, this, we didn't have we didn't have quite as much fun. This was quite a serious episode, listeners. So I apologise if you're used to just us crapping on and having a good laugh. Um, but I hope uh, I hope it triggered something and uh, it's left you thinking because it was. Uh, this is the this is the most serious episode I think. I know. Usually we have Don't some worry. banter. Next week there'll be Usually plenty more banter. We we didn't even talk about uh, New Zealand. Us all spending all time together and all that by the beach. 
Yeah, I didn't talk about the hydrophone. Nearly taking my head off. Yeah. Mm. You and cut in my wetsuit. I know. You got cut in the wetsuit. I got clipped in the neck. All right, all right, fellas. All right. Thanks for listening, everyone. Thanks, Until guys. next time. Thanks for listening to another episode of Lifelong Learner. If you like this episode and want to know more and hear other episodes, head over to lifelonglearnerpodcast.com where you can subscribe to our newsletter where you'll be the first to know when new podcast episodes come out. And if you want to say hello, tell us a joke or ask us a question, send us an email at hello at lifelonglearnerpodcast.com. Thanks again.